Calling all Swifties and champions of change, Like a Girl Media is rolling out the red carpet for you with our Thrive Like a Girl contest. We're all about celebrating powerful women leaders who inspire us to dream big and push boundaries. And who embodies that spirit more than Taylor Swift herself? Here's your chance to see her live in concert. We're giving away two tickets to Taylor Swift's show in London on Saturday, June 22nd. Imagine being part of the magic, all thanks to Like a Girl Media. Entering is easy. Subscribe, share, and show us which episodes inspired you the most. Visit our website or check our social media for all the details. Don't just dream it, be it. Thrive like a girl and make this summer unforgettable. Contest opens globally. Voidware prohibited. Must be 18 or older to enter. No purchase necessary. Subscribe and share with hashtag thrive like a girl and tag us at like a girl underscore media for entry. Unlimited entries means unlimited chances. Winner chosen at random after contest closes May 20th, 2024. We'll be notified via DM. Make sure your profiles are not private. Check full rules on our site. This is your shot to see Taylor Swift live. Don't miss it. Welcome to Hit Like a Girl podcast. My name is Joy Rios. And on this show, we talk about how healthcare in is a very complicated place. There's a lot of moving parts. I like to say it's kind of like a 30,000 piece puzzle. And a lot of the guests that we talk to tell us about their piece of the puzzle. So it gives us an opportunity to learn from each other as well as teach what we know. And so we typically have all women guests. So you, Nathan, are a very special guest for us. I just got goop swamps. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so I want to welcome you to the show, and thank I would you. like to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. And thank you for making space for an uncommon guest on your Hit Like a Girl podcast. I want to recognize that there are so many women voices that need to be hurt and that you're making a little extra space for somebody outside of that norm. So I uh, really thank you there. My name is Nathan C. Bowser. I'm a non-binary person who uses they, them pronouns. And I'm a marketing director, actually I'm a CMO, for a company called AWE, Augmented World Expo. We are one of the oldest and largest communities of AR, VR, we call it XR, kind of as a blanket term. We're one of the oldest and largest communities working in that space, and we do a really good job of speaking to the technology, to speaking to the startups, to speaking to the industry as it is. And one of the really, one of the main drivers why I'm here today at Health is that healthcare applications, augmented and virtual reality, are some of the most potent, powerful, measurable, studied parts of AR and VR out there in the world today. But only very few people know about it. And usually just the people who are working in the innovation and technology parts know about it. But as somebody whose life has been changed by augmented reality, I feel like we need to share and cross-pollinate between our vibrant communities to really highlight those benefits, impacts, and opportunities for health and new ways of communicating and computing. So I'm so curious because I've spent a little bit of time with virtual reality, we've had a couple guests that have that have talked to us about VR. Yeah. Had the headset on and done some like meditation and whatnot. And I remember probably a decade ago trying <laughs> out like Second Life, like that mm -hmm. whole world for a hot second. 
but it's not something that has transformed my life. Yeah. And I am so curious about how it has transformed yours. Oh my goodness. You insinuated a question and then you also asked one. Mm-hmm. So I kind of feel a duty to answer the, the first question. Okay. A little bit about like what is AR and VR? What is the metaverse? And I like to think of it, I'm a marketer, I'm a storyteller, I'm a content person. And so for me, all of the metaverse can really be boiled down into some simple ideas around content, which is often data or information that somebody is looking for in context to what the user is trying to do. And it's also related to the space or where they are in some regard. And so that can be like, when you're on Google Maps and it shows you a little dotted line about where to walk next as you're moving through the giant maze of Las Vegas. It can also be, just like you said, being in a virtual world, uh, in a headset or not, just like Second Life, where you go into a fully created, almost like a game environment, and do new things in those spaces. In either way, it's really showing you visual content and relating to how you're moving about or engaging with the space. Hopefully that helps a little bit on just like how to think about these things. For me, how did it change my life? was kind of an accident. I was always really interested in technology. And just like you said, my first agency job, I was working and like Google Cardboard was like the biggest thing. It was like, oh my gosh, there's these headsets, but then Google Cardboard is a is a free thing where you can put your cell phone in and you can see VR. And a lot of people were like, cool, but why? Yeah. <laughs> and what am I going to do with it? So I started investigating and I started doing workshops and I started having panels, hosting and trying to test what is this stuff? How can I use it as a marketer? How can I engage my customers with it? And so I've been using XR tools and testing them as a marketer since about 2016, okay. which is a pretty long time in the world of XR. And eventually I got a job as a marketing director for an augmented reality startup. And it was a really great sign for me. It was years later, and it, this is about five years ago. And it showed me that the industry was maturing. We were beyond just founders, you know, telling their own stories and that the, the industry needed help, you know, telling this new technology story. And I was working for a tool that let you build your own AR apps on a mobile phone, drag and drop, super easy, super fast. And what we found was all of the people that we thought could use our tool, the designers. We talked to every kind of industry from sports, entertainment, publishing, consulting, healthcare, apparel manufacturing. Across the board, people are like, this is cool. I see what you did, but how do I consider it for my business? How do I think about solving real problems with it? How do I address my customers' needs with these cool things? And so I started te- teaching a lot of workshops. Th- that was like five minutes on. I started teaching a lot of workshops about AR and VR. And one of the things that I was doing was people always want to hear you know, the use case. They always want to hear the value. They want to hear the stats. So I started just collecting. I was teaching these workshops and collecting all of these stats and examples about this is what it is. This is what it looks like. Here's how it addresses customer problems and pains. And one of the very first, both really publicly available, widely used, and highly profitable applications of augmented reality was a technology that we commonly call like a magic mirror. And brands like Sephora and L'Oreal started launching both online and in physical stores a mirror or a camera view with a screen that could just put lipstick and eyeshadow looks on you and help you consider different colors and styles as part of your purchase process. So 
I'm a pretty masculine presenting person. You know, at the time I might have had a beard. And I thought, how funny would it be for me to show how anybody can use this makeup technology, web, app, whatever, and then put it in a deck and started training people on it. The more I saw that image and every time I sort of encountered, you know, my job was to test all of these experiences, see what's going on. And so I was putting on these filters, putting in, seeing this image, seeing these others, and something just started to resonate. And I really didn't quite know what it was, but it felt good. And I now reflect on that and call that a sense of gender euphoria. And what happened is AR started to teach me about who I was and how I wanted to present in the world, but in a really like private and safe way. And then if we're being you know, really present, transparent, also about the same time I was going through some ridiculous anxiety and having just horrible time sleeping and started going to therapy. And as part of that therapy, my therapist was like, yo, you have ADHD, <laughs> like a lot. And working with the therapist and processing my ADHD and really trying to understand what is my experience, what do I know? I came to understand that when my body hears a truth, it will have a physical reaction. It's usually like goosebumps and tingles, sometimes tears, you know, sometimes more, kind of even just now. And I learned that as a result of trying to work through my anxiety and my ADHD. And then TikTok came Love into my TikTok. life. TikTok's a part of everybody's lives every day. There's a fantastic teacher, actually it's a family, who talks a lot about queer issues, about gender identity, and about parenting children. And uh, the, the handle is Monica, the teacher. And Monica and one of their kids had a video where they were modeling just a conversation with your kid when they come out to you as trans. And it was super simple. The kid says, hey, mom, hey, mom, I think I want to start using non-binary pronouns. And mom says, oh, wow, you know, tell me more about that. She sort of demonstrates this really well welcoming, warm approach to responding to her kid's new information. And it was just this beautiful moment. And I took a moment and I thought, hmm, do I want to start using non-binary pronouns? And I got that reaction from my body and I was like, crap, oh wow, this is a truth for me. And so I should have said this at the beginning, but I now claim that ADHD, TikTok, and augmented reality helped me understand and change my gender. Well, and you walk through the world differently now. Oh my gosh, yeah. So much differently. One of the things when you come out as trans, especially as a married person, especially as somebody in their 40s, somebody, you know, well into a pretty set identity, is everybody starts asking you, like, well, what's going to change? And I kind of wish people wouldn't. Just as a note to those of you out there, if you have folks who come out, just ask them how they are, yeah. <laughs> what their experience is. They may not know that far along. Luckily for me, the biggest change was that I uncovered something about myself that I did not know for 40 years. And it was partly because ADHD makes it hard to understand the full context of what you're dealing with. And for me, I just don't see things that I haven't been experienced with or that I haven't seen an example. That's something we talk about a lot about here on the podcast. If you don't see it, how can you be it, yep. right? And exactly. so, and that is definitely not a model that we are sh given very often. Yeah. And it's certainly not something that's very like loud and proud. Yeah. So I can imagine very clearly what that must have been like and the amount of transformation that you have gone through personally yeah. to walk that journey. And so it's been like two years. Okay. And I'm very out as a trans non-binary professional. And I'm super 
proud about my ability to be a trans person in the C-suite. And it's not quite a duty, but I also, I can't live quietly. <laughs> I dress pretty colorfully. I wear a lot of makeup. I don't have hair, so I wear, you know, ribbons and bandanas in my head. And what I have noticed is that when I live authentically, when I bring that that true self to the table, I get more engagement with different people that I've never met. I meet more diverse people. I meet more trans people when I am out and proud and have never intended to be a role model or to, to take an aspirational approach to what I'm doing in my daily life. But everyone from students who are non-binary and trying to get into a creative profession to straight people who have spent 20 years feeling like they have to be a certain type of professional woman, that, that women have to present a certain, you know, very buttoned up, very responsible, conservative way in order to be successful in their world. And by having a very audacious, very authentic person in the room trying to do their best has had the, the impact of giving other people permission to do them. And that's just huge. amazing. It's huge. So do you wish that augmented reality existed sooner in your life? Like not to say that you can change the past, but well, if you could impact the future, is yeah. part of the conversation around AR and VR to help people have that conversation yeah. earlier in their life. Yeah. So it's not something that they get surprised with in their 40s. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know that it's just gender, right? Yeah. That I think the power of seeing things that aren't in front of you, you know, that some of the earliest VR experiences are 360-degree videos of amazing places. Uh, you mentioned meditation, right? Like the Trip app has a whole section of just gorgeous scenery yep. that you can go sit in and, and meditate. I'll get back to VR meditation. That's also been a huge win for me more recently. But absolutely... Having access to try on new, to be exposed to new ideas, to try them on, and maybe even to live them out was something that I definitely benefited from. But in the past, there's kind of this joke that up until just very recently, the gaming community and the game development community was where a lot of people discovered their transness because it was the first opportunity they had to try on costumes and characters of a different gender than what they were assigned at birth. And I think AR, because it can be more every day, it can be more accessible than you know playing on a PS5. It can be just in a mobile device. There are so many ways that those impacts and that exposure to new ideas, to content. The thing that I was telling you earlier, right? Content in space with a context of what the user is doing. Right. And so when you think about being shown things that you don't even know when you're in a healthcare setting or when you're considering care options or when a doctor's trying to show you something about the body, like all of these, I, you know, there, there's all of this possibility of what else can we impact. The funny thing is for me, like discovering my gender isn't like a clinical or like, it's not a measured win. I don't think win. there's a diagnosis code for that. Right? Right. And so it's the kind of thing that is having a dramatic impact on the quality of people's lives 
right? That, that kind of transformation. But it's also not the thing that we're measuring and talking about when we're selling, when we're implementing, when we're trying to design programs for impact. Yeah, but okay, so what's coming up for me yeah. are in, in the healthcare, right? Yeah. So we're trying to like cross the technology with the healthcare conversation. There's yeah. gender affirming care. There's also mental health and behavioral health that comes with that because I'm yeah. sure that there's a lot of stressors that come yeah. with presenting in a way that people not, are not always open to. Mm-hmm. And how do you handle that? And then also like group engagement of like, how do you connect, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a group therapy conversation or just community engagement, which is all part of population health and, yeah. you know, social determinants and all of the things that, you know, what makes us healthy and feel like we are thriving in our livelihood mm-hmm. and being able to be your authentic self and live in the world is a huge part of that. Yeah. The Morehouse College has a metaversity and they call it a digital twin. So it's a a lifelike replication of their actual campus. And one of the first things that it does, just like you mentioned, is it gives students who have yet to be on campus the ability to gather together in in a setting that is contextual to their learning and to start to to learn together and build community before they get on campus. And then when they get into the lab, they've already seen the equipment, they've already seen the layout, They've done training in that space. And is that with like a headset on or is that like on a computer screen? It's usually both right now. Okay. And the reason for it is the computer screen is, in my in my perception, good enough for most things. Yeah. And VR headsets aren't omnipresent, right? We all have mobile phones right now. And if, you know, XR, the metaverse, is going to be the next generation of computing, some kind of screen, some kind of headset, some kind of glasses is very likely to be involved. But there's also like projection mapping that can mm. do the same thing with existing technology that like we're seeing all over the conference today. Well, because part of the conversation that I struggle with with technology and the future is sort of the idea of the metaverse and living in the metaverse. Mm-hmm. And there's something inside of me that says we really need to also focus and pay attention to living and being present with where we mm-hmm. are in our reality. Yes. And I don't want to give up on our reality for this like technically imaginary world, mm-hmm. but they're both important. So yeah. Do you have opinions about that? Yep. I'm going to actually steal an opinion from Britton Heller, who's counsel for the Atlantic Council, specifically on metaverse safety. And Britton's sort of line is basically that the primary people who want you to be spending all day in the metaverse are device manufacturers who are looking for a replacement to all day use on your cell phone. And their motivations are very different than, say, somebody who's trying to build an immersive world, just like you said, for like a clinical treatment for PTSD, uh, which there are many of, and they are extremely powerful. They work great with other modalities like psychedelics and other things, you know, that are really pushing those patient experiences. But like, you would not want to live in that simulation all day, right? Like the whole point of that simulation is you, you do it in very small doses and the right amount with help. The model for the metaverse that I really like, that I always talk about, is the right amount of metaverse. And in an ideal world, if we're augmenting our reality, right, we're getting the right amount of context, the right amount of information for the job at hand, and then we can go do the next things. We can move on with our lives. You don't have Google Maps open throughout your entire day. You have it when you're traveling between point A and point B. I think if we think about 
that, right? Like one, there's no right device to be wearing. There's no right amount of immersion. There's no right screen. If we get rid of all of that stuff, it starts to be a little bit more like the internet, right? We use it when we want to. It's connected to a lot of things that we do, different things we use it differently for, right? Like you can use the internet for online gaming. You can use it for recording bill codes. I had an opportunity to meet the folks at the AR house in Los Angeles. <sighs> Yeah, it was really great. Oh my gosh, they're so good. Yeah, and they, one of the people were talking about glasses, and it was, I think it's a pair of sunglasses mm -hmm. that essentially one could take pictures, could also take video, yep. and then you could like post it to social media. But then, you know, I was asking them like, okay, well, what's the future of this, right? Where... I don't know if it's a screen that is projected and like maybe Google Maps is telling you through your glasses, like mm -hmm. keep walking 20 steps and then make a left or something. Yeah. But like there are so many possibilities. In talking with them, it really, I was like, oh, I see. I see where this is going, where you can turn it on or turn it off or mm -hmm. increase it or decrease it. How much do you want to engage? And the folks at the AR house are, are you know, specifically trying to incubate and innovate yeah. like folks who are really into it. One of the leaders, I'm going to misname them if I say their actual name, I believe is trying to create sort of a knowledge palace of their life. So trying to create a digital record of the things they've experienced. So they're using something like the uh, Snap Spectacles or even like Ray-Ban has That's the one. glasses yeah. that, that hook up with uh, Facebook. So using that sort of first person view to record memories and then to put them into some other kind of storytelling or other kind of record. Uh, there's a lot of like really interesting things when it comes to like capturing memories, experience, sharing experience. Uh, like if you could one, like have AR spectacles on and see me in the gender that feels most true to me that may not fit the clothes or, you know, right. just parts that are available to me in a physical world, that could be really amazing for me feeling seen and feeling like I was presenting in the world. Google presented a, a number of concepts at I.O. just recently, and the data that they were putting in glasses was live text translation. Mm. So if you were working with a patient who spoke Spanish, oh, now we're talking. they could respond to your questions and you could see just text written out at live transcribing what they needed or like, what if you were working with an autistic patient who didn't communicate their stress levels very well, but maybe the room was smart enough that they could uh, notice increase in CO2, increase in temperatures. You know, there's biomarkers that you can test remotely. And what if then the clinician had the ability to see those inputs before something escalated to a meltdown or to a problem in care, um, just because you had a little bit more information about what was going on in the space around you? I mean, the possibilities are mm -hmm. pretty endless. Yeah. I mean, and it's That's like, one of the problems, right? Yeah, right? <laughs> There's so many places that you could go. A part of me thinks about like Alzheimer's. If you're like mm -hmm. recording all of your memories, imagine what that must be like when you when one is older and experiencing loss of memory. We've all seen those TikTok videos where somebody who's in a care home gets exposed to music from their past. Right. And they're totally vivid and just right there. I haven't actually seen specific things on Alzheimer's, but... Interesting. You never know. I mean, this is why I love it. When you start to touch this stuff, when you start to get just a little bit exposed and start to be curious, especially from like an outcomes or like, what kind of real problems could we solve? Your brains just start going. And that's really what I love so much. I know. I feel like that we could just so keep fast. talking. I love it. So, Nathan, yes. I guess quickly, 
Well, part of me wants to ask a big question that I know you won't be able to answer quickly. And I that, try. Yeah, and I'm just like, okay, if you've been in AR and VR and you've seen so much and been impacted by so much just within the next, within the last five years, mm-hmm. you know, what do you think is possible within the next five years or even 10 years? Where do you, I mean, big question. Good luck. I love that question. Coming from startups, I know that anything in five to eight years is nearly impossible to predict accurately. So shoot for the moon. We just recently had our European event in Lisbon, Portugal. There continue to be really dramatic technical advances in optics and the, the headset technology, really looking at making it useful, applicable, scalable, all those things that like enterprise adoption is, is really going to require. But the technology part is not the thing that is most interesting to me. It's that the XR community is hyper-focused on delivering value and using XR tools for good. Uh, AWE has a $100,000 prize to fight climate change, where we're asking community members to submit their ideas on how to visualize the impacts of climate change, how to solve us for things like inefficiencies in transportation, in product development, in industry by using AR guided work or just using digital products instead of shipping physical samples back and forth across oceans. In my vision, in the next five years, AR and VR will, many pundits expect it to be a trillion dollar to three trillion dollar industry. And if we're doing our job, what you will hear about more and more is how remote collaboration, how virtual training and education, and how digitally enabled work are going to make our lives more efficient, more sustainable, and more connected. And if people want to get involved, where would you send them? Or connect, should they connect with you personally or should they connect with AWE or both? Oh, goodness. So I'm Nathan C. on Twitter, Mix Nathan C. on Instagram, Nathan C. Bowser on LinkedIn. If anybody has questions, I am here to learn and to share. So would love to connect. I would also love to make an open invite for anyone in the health community who is interested in learning more about AR and VR, the metaverse. Please come to Augmented World Expo. Our next event is at the end of May and the the beginning of June in Santa Clara. And if you are part of the health community and curious about XR and want to learn more, I will make it very easy for you to come be a part of our community and learn just like I've been doing. Thank you so much. This has been a real pleasure. I am so, I don't know, humbled that you get to be my first kind of, I don't know, they, them. They, them. Am I your first non-binary participant? You're my first male presenting non-binary person. Yes. Awesome. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This was such a great way to start my day, Joy. I feel so seen. Thank you. I love it. All right. Have a great day. Yes, you do. Thanks for listening. You can learn more about us or this guest by going to our website or visiting us on any of the socials with the handle hit like a girl pod. Thanks again. See you soon. Again, thank you so much for listening to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. I am truly grateful for you, and I'm wondering if you could do me a quick favor. Would you be willing to follow or subscribe to this podcast, or maybe leave us a rating or review? Or if you're feeling extra generous, would you share this episode on your Instagram stories or with a friend? All those things help us podcasters out so much. I'm the show's host, Joy Rios, and I'll see you next time.